1960, ITV executive Sidney Newman asked Brian Clemens to rework the Ian Hendry suspense show Police Surgeon into something called The Avengers. The programme lasted almost the entire decade of the 1960s and became integral in shaping the mod scene in England. Some of its stars, Honor Blackman, Diana Rigg and Patrick McNee, became icons of the spy movie culture that ran rampant through the middle part of that decade. These Avengers don't wear tights, they don't wield magic hammers or fancy shields, but the women are stunningly beautiful and squeezed into tight leather cat suits, so there is that. Join Thomas DJ, top professional, and Scott McGregor, talented amateur, as they journey through an England that didn't exist, but maybe should have, with umbrella, charm, and bowler. You know, that other Avengers podcast. Folks, it is time to get ready to rumble. Are That's you right. ready to rumble? Is his name Michael Rooker? No, is it Michael, Michael Rooker? Michael, not Michael Rooker. Michael Rooker is the that, guy. He would who be an awesome. Yeah, that would, would be interesting. He would be an awesome ring announcer, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> Michael Brookman, something I should know this because I. Michael, I don't know. Yeah, who cares? All Buffer. right, Michael Buffer. That's it. Yeah. Um, no, you have not. You have not tuned into a wrestling podcast by accident. Although it's a wrestling episode, and that's something I didn't think I'd yes. see in this show. <laughs> yes, that's something. It, this is not the type of thing you expect to see when you when us, you know, colonials think of the Avengers. I'm Tom DJ, talented, a top professional. That's no, all. They're a very yep. talented top professional, and I'm Scott McGregor, uh, talented amateur. So yep. there's that. And you're listening to With Umbrella, Charm, and Bowler. We are going to be covering today the third episode of season two, the Decapod, which is significant because it introduces one of the forgotten Steve companions. Julie Stevens has Venus Smith. Well, not forgotten by me because it's the first time I saw her. But yeah, um, you warned me ahead of time that she was she was going to be in this episode. And yeah, so um, yeah, because she's in. I think if I remember correctly, she's in ten episodes, eight or ten episodes. And thankfully, the the real stiff of the season, Doctor King. We're only going to see for for three. Mm-hmm. Oh, so oh. she was in some of the the first season, Venus Smith, or no? No, no, no. She oh, okay. was in. She was supposed, as we discussed at the beginning of the Mister Teddy Bear episode, um, we uh, she was signed on with the intention of her joining the cast midway through the first season. Right, before but I there was yeah. a, a television a television strike, so um, this is her first appearance, and. Um, it has to be about wrestling, and hope you hope you like singing. Yeah, as you as you warned me, we we got a, two count them two uh, lounge of numbers from from Ms. Smith, and uh, we they, got two songs, and we got two wrestling matches. Yeah, so 
The, the There's first... not a lot of plot. <laughs> yeah, no, but I mean, man, those Lounge Jack songs, they, they help eat up a, a good couple of minutes, so the, the yeah. writers got an easy job for the rest of it, but they didn't really flex their muscles or, you know, jump off the top rope, uh, really, for this one, but it was no. fun. <laughs> of course, we will, we will start, we will have the first session of Did Steve Tap That? <laughs> Which I feel I'm partially responsible for after the uh, <laughs> his Kathy Gale's judo session, yes. poor player or not. Uh, so, well, I'm happy to be, um, happy to steer this podcast in a more purient fucking direction if sure. I could. Okay. So, um, the plot is fairly straightforward. There is this um, from, dictator from the, Balkans. From the Balkans. Yes. Uh, with the unlikely name of Yakov Borb. Yeah. <laughs> and he is visiting London to um, negotiate a deal for aid for his country. Mm-hmm. And his personal secretary in the first scene is killed off by a mass wrestler. In response, Steed is assigned to bodyguard him. Mm-hmm. But Borb has, will have none of that because he has his two favorite bodyguards with him. Who are, It turns out Borb is a big wrestling aficionado. Yes, he, he likes and, watching his bodyguards wrestle in particular, yes. I noticed. <laughs> not not yeah. judging, but... <laughs> We shall say Borb is maybe pansexual. I would say, yeah, anything. Because, because the way he makes the moves on uh, on Venus. Yeah, yeah, anything that can fit into some tights or tight clothes, yeah. I guess. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no judgment. But, um, so Borb is like going, I've, I've got this covered. I've got the wrestling champion of my country, and maybe we'll set up a match. And... They, they set up a match and, uh, against the Butcher of Islington, who manages to look a lot like the mass wrestler we saw in the first scene. Right, you know. Uh, the Butcher of Islington murders the wrestling champion, bodyguard, in full view of the entire, audi- uh, the entire audience. At this, There's a public bath that this is being held at. And... He obviously people are now looking for this wrestler. The wrestler's wife approaches Steed and says, "Nah, my my Henry wouldn't do that." And it turns out, of course, not surprisingly, it is not her Henry, but it is something else. And to keep an eye on Borb, John Steed charms. Charms are uh, yeah, I could say I don't know if charms really applies. They're more more kind of deceives. Yes, I'd say. I would say <laughs> to one to one Venus Smith so to uh, to uh, act as her his new personal secretary. And uh, Orb likes that idea very much. But I mean, he's, he, he sells the idea that she's going to be getting a singing contract yeah. in the Balkans, and you know, pretty. So it's, it's a pretty ambitious lie. Um, and I got to admit, and and of course we we find out at the end that he's really didn't have any way to make this happen, uh, especially when you know the the guy it was supposed to happen with <laughs> met his untimely demise at the end. Um, 
got avenged, I guess, or somebody got avenged. But I, I really, I thought in the beginning, just from like what I know, you know, from what I saw from Kathy Gale, I kind of figured that Venus Smith was just playing coy and like going along with the whole Steed, you know, joke is like, yeah, yeah, I'm going to get you this thing contract. Go be a spy for me. You know, and, and at the end, we kind of realized that she she really believed him, and and you know, <laughs> apparently doesn't have a lot of experience with Steed yet because the pattern is forming that he just kind of he gets people to do what he needs them to do by any means necessary. Yes, and uh, doesn't doesn't feel too bad about you know as if he'd do it again, you know, but he would probably do it again. I'm I'm betting. Yeah. I'd actually put money on that. But so I kind of got you know thrown for a loop there that I thought she was kind of in on it and and one of his his more professional amateurs and uh, she wasn't she was just a girl that wanted to sing Steed you know but she does yes because on four separate occasions this this episode stops dead mm-hmm. so uh, there because there are two musical numbers by Miss Stevens and. There are there are extended sequences of wrestling matches. Yeah. So uh, there's actually about maybe thirty minutes of plot in this fifty minute show. It does jump around a bit, yeah, and the you know it, it seems to take some shortcuts with you know we we don't really have a good grasp of time on how long. Venus has been hanging out with uh, El Presidente or whatever. Um, and, uh, you know, she seems like she might be genuinely, you know, caring about him at the end and wanted to go do his little singing tour with him. But yeah. uh, she didn't didn't realize he was just a pawn in the game of Steed. Yeah. Yes. As was she. Yes. Although I rather like, I rather like the, the actor who played Borb. Yeah, yeah. Paul Stasino. Yeah. I mean, he's not... The big, the biggest named actor in this in this cast is Philip Maddock, who played the uh, Stefan, the aide to Borb. Yeah, diplomat. Yeah, his his ambassador. But but Stas, I I kind of like. You know what he reminded me of? Um, do you remember the Living Daylights? Yeah, yeah. Jeremy Crabby's character, the. The, the, the Russian general who was pretending to defect. Okay, yeah. You remind me had that that same kind of like supercilious like oh you know charm to him. Right. Well, here here's actually who he made me think of because I'm a video game nerd, and um, so he made me think of like the lead character in the Tropico series. If anyone's okay. played that in the audience, which basically is it, you know, you you run it's a kind of a simulation management resource, you know, diplomacy thing and you have to fight off rebels and um you know, and you're given like this third world country that has to exist within you know, between the United States and Russia and in the game you can do stuff like make shady trade deals with each country, you know, burning the candle at both ends. So I immediately wanted to go play Tropico after seeing this this show, but he he was great. Yeah, he was a ham. He, he was enjoying the part. That's for sure. <laughs> so, oh, um, now this is watching this again from the eyes of 2019. This is a particularly piggish deed. <laughs> this, yeah, yeah, and yeah. This is, 
I mean, and Jakob isn't isn't too much better. He's he's pretty well, handsy, yeah. you know. <laughs> Which is one of the reasons why I like I, I I think Venus came off well because she's not taking any of that shit. You know? No, well, to a certain extent, he, she let him get pretty uh pie, you know, a few times. He's just basically pieing her all the time in the episodes. <laughs> you know, I guess that was. It was the times, you know, when you could just put your hands all over a woman and she wouldn't, you know, hit you with something. But not not good to do now, kids. Don't do now. No, don't don't do that now. No. I mean, and then we have like the 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 side of Steve tucking his card into Venus's cleavage. Yeah, yeah, that's a classic, um, definitely. And, and then smacking the <laughs> the cigarette girl on the butt. Yeah, yeah, he was he was pretty. Uh, Pretty randy in this one, as they would say, yeah. across the pond, I guess. <laughs> oh, oh, it was. It's, which, of course, it's a little bit of a shock because we, we see him, so, we, we, we here in the colony think of him as such a gentlemanly person. Yeah, well, it's a, that damn accent, of course. You yeah. Know, it's just, yeah, they could, you know, be reading the, the Ted Bundy tapes to you and they would sound dignified and. and you know, classy. So <laughs> it's always been the advantage of that British accent. <laughs> so, um, okay. Hey, let's, what did you think of Venus? Uh, I mean, you know, a hell of a song to introduce her with. It was pretty, you know, <laughs> about love as an addiction. So being an addiction yeah. counselor, I, I can get on board with that. Just, uh, it, you know, for only having watched like five episodes of this show, they, they, they talk about drugs a lot, you know, even in, yeah. in drug metaphors. And I'm okay with that. Uh, it just surprises me a little bit for the for the time and place. I don't know. I guess that's the other thing that, like, the, you know, the British accent kind of disarms me about it. You don't, uh, you know, you think of the, the Brits love their drink. That's, that's never been in question. But you don't really think of them as huge druggy people, except for... You know, the obvious British bands. So I guess, yeah. I don't know why that wouldn't translate to the British people, but my, my dim colonial mind just goes there. So, so yeah, that, the first song was, uh, I don't know, I'm sure it's like an old standard of some kind, but it was yeah. just like one big drug metaphor for love. It was kind of cool. Um, but lovely woman, obviously. Uh, yes. Adequate actress. And I like the mouth on her. I like she that came out. I have a significant just, other, I'm, so I'm not going to go there right now. <laughs> no, no, you know what I mean by that. I mean, I'm talking about. I like the fact that 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 she's got this kind of street level. Yeah. Uh, kind of wise-assness to right, her, but she which, she comes off as incredibly naive in a way too, and maybe that's just I don't know. Maybe that was just the way I read it, but. Yeah, obviously the whole, you know, believing everything Steed says, but, but she, you know, she does give as, uh, as good as she, you know, gets with, as far as the dialogue and stuff. And she has some, uh, some good moments. Like, you know, she, she asked one of the, uh, one of the bodyguards, um, you know, what do you want now? A biscuit and come on boy heel. And, you know, here's Jakob Borb's name and says, sounds like a beat poet. Yeah, so get some good lines for it. Definitely wrote her well. Yeah, I mean, I just like the sa- the, the sass of her. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's what distinguishes her from from Kathy, who's 
attitude is a lot more dry. Yeah. And she kind of uh, calls, you know, she, she kind of, uh, when she first meets with Steed about it, and, um, you know, he's selling his tour BS, and uh, mm-hmm. she's like, when would you want me to start this tour? And he's like, as soon as you can talk him into it. And she's like, yeah, I'm out. And she probably should have stayed. She probably should have noped right out of there for good, but then we... Oh, well, let's not forget <laughs> the other the the other kind of bit of Steve Piggishness in this episode. Mm-hmm. The fact that he tells um, Venus that he recognizes her by his her legs. Right. <laughs> I, I must have missed that, actually. Uh, but, okay. It's like, I think it's in the third act. It's, yeah. it's towards the end of the episode. <laughs> um, and then we get, get the wrestling. Now, as someone who is used to the American-style wrestling, what did you think of our glimpse into British wrestling. Well, it's, you know, similar. It's, it's you know, I, I was shocked when I, I, the, I didn't know really at all what the episode was about. And Decapod is, you know, kind of almost of oh, shit. What do we call this episode? And we just came up with that. Cause probably cause the guy already had it. He's like, well, we got a robe with a 10 legged octopus yeah. on it. So let's call it the Decapod. Um, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, the wrestling was, well, as we've spoken before, they haven't really got the top-shelf choreographers in here yet. But um, as far as some wrestling moves, they, they look pretty good and pretty similar to, you know, the, the, the two bodyguards wrestling in front of El Presidente there, which is just what I'm going to call Jakob from now on, deal right. with it. And, um, you know, that that was more like professional, well, not professional, but what we would consider amateur wrestling in the States, you know, actually on the ground with grappling holds and stuff. And there was a little more, you know, WWE stuff, I guess, in the actual matches. But And and the hilarity of John Steed being in a wrestling match was, you know, had to be about the highlight <laughs> of the episode for me. Cause... And, and I love the fact that, that of course, he doesn't acquit himself very well at all. No, no, he pretty much gets handled. <laughs> yeah. One of the things I, I enjoy about both the Kathy Gale episodes and the Emma Peel episodes is that the woman is the muscle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, essentially. And that that's kind of a tradition. And I mean, I always used to love... I think I like Connery maybe better than more because he seemed more realistic. I mean, I always like my James Bonds that that got the crap beat out of him. Okay, you know they weren't superhuman. Yeah. Uh, I don't want any of my heroes to be superhuman unless they're actually superhuman. Right. Um, you know, in the which context why, of the universe. But. Which is kind of why my one of my favorite uh, more Bonds is Spy Who Loved Me because he behaves like a human being in that film. Yeah. A, a yeah. character. Yeah, more so than, you know, in, in, than in, like, Moonraker, where... <laughs> yeah. Okay. Or, or from a view, to, uh, a view to a kill, or any other thing. But I, that's neither here nor there. Um, as I mentioned, the, the big name to come out of this episode is Philip Maddock, who we'll, we'll, be, we'll be seeing again and again throughout the, the series. I think he has like seven appearances throughout the, the, the lifetime of the series. Really? Okay. Not not a Stepan, apparently, though. No, no not a Stepan. Yeah. We still have not gotten to... Although he does appear in an episode that we're going to get to in season four called Two's a Crowd that introduces the first character that you could really say is a recurring supporting character because he appears in two episodes. 
um, which is Brodsky, and Brodsky's kind of fun, actually. But, um, and he also shows up a lot on Doctor Who. He uh, appeared in, I think it was like five different serials in the classic, in the classic era. Um, most significantly had the Mad Doctor Solon in the rather unintentionally hilarious Frankenstein pastiche, The Brain of Morbius. Okay, all right. <laughs> so, but he's very—he's a very vigorous actor. He's good. He's—he's—he's he's, he's got this cold, you know, icy demeanor that's even kind of more. So, I mean, does he play a, a villain at all against Steed? Because I'd like to see that matchup. Because he almost is an antagonist in this, but not quite. I, not quite. I, yeah. I would have to go back and look at the, at the list of how many. I'm sure that he's a villain at least once. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because he's, he's, you can tell he's just got that, that stoic, you know, English demeanor that that works well kind of against, well, Steed's a little chaotic at times, but he's... he's I love the fact that it's obvious from, the from like, the first scene that he is like, like, I can't believe I have to answer to this boob. Right, and and they kind of threw, threw me for a loop anyway, and that, you know, me and the girlfriend here were... We're watching it together, and we're like, "It's it's got to be the ambassador guy, right? Killing these yeah. bodyguards." And so they 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 definitely threw me the twist on that one. So that was pretty neat. But so yeah, definitely enjoyed his part. Um, so good, good to know we'll okay. be seeing him again. <laughs> yes, we will be seeing that actor again. But my question now is: now that you, you you've seen. Steed interact with Mina Smith for an episode. Um, I would have said no until you, you reminded me of the leg comment because that's yeah. that's some pretty personal stuff there to to recognize a lady from her legs. Uh, yeah. you usually have to have a close up viewing of those things. So, yeah. <laughs> so I'm told. <laughs> and so yeah, I don't. I I, I gotta say maybe because. Obviously, they they know each other from somewhere, and I don't know if it's just. I suspect Steed hangs out at that lounge a lot and and consumes yeah. lots of alcohol there. They seem to know him because I think that they direct her to him right after that first song, which to me is the, probably the one fault in the script, which was uh, by Eric Pace with an I mm-hmm. is that they they kind of assume, assume there has been it does you do get a sense there is a prior relationship between these two right and yet she just takes him at his word yeah well, I mean you wondered how much you know Steed has told her about what he does she obviously you know must know him fairly well because the first meeting between them it's basically kind of get the creepy vibe that he's essentially pimping her out to the guy you know and she recognizes that right away pretty much signifies that right and yeah she recognizes right away and that's when she's like nope out of here (laughs) then he's like no no but then he has to turn the lie up and be like no no i've got you a music contract yeah just just go hang out on his couch for a couple days and you'll get a tour uh i love the fact it's like we're gonna move you into the embassy oh 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. I said it. They took a little few, few too many shortcuts between like her getting there and all of a sudden you've got a room in the embassy because you know. Yeah. I like to touch you when you're in my office. Yes. And, <laughs> so. I mean, but I mean, like, I, I just, I, I think that she's got a lot of good energy. Yeah, yeah, I like the character. I like the, the sassiness, which is at odds with the usual, more sophisticated. Yeah. Uh, we don't kind of get that again um, until maybe the last season. Mm-hmm. And even then, I'm not quite sure if, if, if Tara has an appropriate sass factor. Right. Oh, I, I mean, I always thought Emma Peel held her own, and I'm sure Kathy Gale does. I always, I always got the impression that Emma kind of treated John as a sort of barely more intelligent than average dog. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, sure. I mean, she, you know, she knew she had him on a leash. I think. Uh, was, uh, who wouldn't? You know, who wouldn't be on a leash for for Emma Peel? <laughs> she requested it. <laughs> I'm in trouble doing this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is this spy culture circa nineteen at this time nineteen two. Um, I should mention that at this this episode had been um, first aired on the thirteenth of October of nineteen sixty two, which means about the same time would. They would probably have been released the the first Avengers annual. Oh, no kidding! Yeah, <laughs> yeah. For those of you who do, are not familiar, um, annuals were things that came out sometime before Christmas because the idea was you would buy them for a present for some um, younger party uh, for Christmas. And they were composed of comic strips and stories and the like such. The thing that is kind of unusual about 1962's Avengers Annual is that it does not feature any of the three companions at all. <laughs> Sorry, there was basically... It's all Steed and Keel. Yeah, no. And there wasn't another one till 65, I want to say, at which point, of course, you know... <laughs> they knew what side their bread was buttered. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, I actually, I've forgotten to tell you something. In the last couple of shows, yeah. and, and you know, I do this other podcast called Garage Sale Gloat. Yeah, uh, where we go roam the uh, the treasure troves of our area. Me and Mister Honeywell, and uh, one of them I saw, and I almost picked it up for you, and I figured you must already have this, but somebody was actually selling the VH copies, VHS copies of like. Box sets of the Avengers. Yeah, back uh, they, in the old, old days, yeah, yeah. So I, I, I'm sure that you probably have something like that, or you know, at least we uh, all. The only, the only thing I have in on my, in digital or magnetic media at this point was mm-hmm. I used to, of course, tape them off of ABC right. when they were showing up at game in the morning. Um, but the only thing I have is I have, have the complete M Appeal uh, season, oh, which nice. was put out by Lionsgate about three years ago, four years ago, has a, a special set, and it was on sale on Amazon, so I said, okay, I want that. I'll take that. DVD or VHS? A DVD. Okay. Yeah, see, this. I think this was mainly the Peel. I think it was... There were about... 
there were probably about 15 tapes, but I mean, they were only, it was like two episodes per tape, um, on VHS. So, so I don't think it, it wasn't like the complete Avengers by any means, or I probably would have bought it, but I figured a, he probably doesn't, might not have a VHS because who does, and I don't have one. So I'm like, right. And to be honest, they were asking a little much for it for garage right. sale prices, but I probably would have almost grabbed it. Just let you know I'm thinking about your partner. <laughs> oh, and I appreciate it. I've never oh. seen anything else Avengers ever on like the garage sale <laughs> trail, so that would just even surprise me to, that someone, you know, had those VHS tapes. So that was cool. And I tried to find the person and try to tell them about our podcast, and yeah. they, they, I think, were deceased. So I think oh. I was buying a dead man's tapes if I did, and that's kind of creepy too. So. <laughs> I <laughs> try to avoid the cursed objects when we're out there, right. uh, if at all possible. <laughs> now, I I don't know how many people out there are actually doing rewatching with us, <laughs> but I want to point out that I was contacted by uh, John Drew. Mm-hmm. of the chronic rift and a couple other podcasts he he does a lot of these index shows he did an index show for the 66 batman series nice he did i think he's doing one right now for um the six million dollar man slash bionic woman oh sweet <laughs> and uh he has pointed out he pointed it out to me that all of these episodes are available through tubi online and quite frankly, the prints that they have on Tubi are better than the prints I was using to watch originally. Yeah, so. so it has $6 million mana too? I, uh, I don't know. I'm going to have to be looking up that. <laughs> but yeah, why don't you give us uh, what's TubiTV.com, isn't tubi-tv.com, it? TubiTV.com. And I'm looking that f- up for you right now. T-U-B-I-T-V.com. Yes. So, yeah, I'd never heard of this before, and I, I frequent quite a few of these type sites. Um, mm-hmm. Just to let the listeners know, I was having yes! ad block problems with it, but... I, I'm looking at it right now, and you would apparently at least season was it season one or all seasons? No, oh, just I just, I just hit the one. home. I just hit the home button, and emergency popped up. So there's there's okay. some hours gone because I used to be one of my favorites. There's the same oh, Thunderbirds, okay. Space 1999. Oh God, why did you ever show me this? Hey, I <laughs> I wouldn't have shown it to you if uh, <laughs> Alf the know, Prisoner John uh, didn't uh, show it to me first. Oh my god, I can't even let my girlfriend the Incredible Hulk Sherlock Holmes with Basil Rothburn Yeah, uh, my girlfriend all sorts wanna, of crazy stuff but for those of you who are desiring to follow along Mr. Uh, John Drew who we should, John Drew who we should of course yeah. thank and be sure to uh, look up his I'm going to look up the actual titles of these podcasts so we can give them the right yeah 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 there's some good stuff on here damn it dude secret service why does that look familiar I Jerry Anderson's secret service how have I missed that one huh I gotta have UFO on here too then there's Stingray Movie called Shark and Sauce Women's Prison Massacre. Ah! With Dominique Swain and Tracy Lords. How'd I ever miss that one in the theaters? So, oh, it probably would be under chronicrift.com. I think that is his uh, 
website. Yes, there's that's so once again, kids at home, that's T U B I T V dot com. And there is just a plethora of amazing old TV and movies on here. Not so there this has like Star Trek the Motion Picture and has all the Star Trek movies. So this is like wonder site, but and if you are interested in, in John S. Drew's um, various podcasts, including the OSI files to the Bat Pole, um, I'm sorry, the Bat Cave podcast, Cyborgs of Bionic Pat Podcast. Wow, say that five take times two. fast. Take two. Um, uh, um, you know, the Chronic Rift, the Bat Cave podcast. Uh, cyborgs, a bionic pet podcast, and more. Uh, please go to uh, the chronic www.chronicrift.com and check Mr. Drew out. And thanks a lot, John, for pointing me in this direction so I could point Scott. And we're going to point everyone. Yeah, thank you very much. Really, really cool. So, do we go through the. Uh, our checklist. Um, check, checklist. Yeah, we, we got some stuff on here this time. Uh, kinkiness factor, and um, again, no judgment, but I'm just going to name the little wrestling match that <laughs> El Presidente was watching because he was well, re- I think that the, really, really enjoying it. That's all I'm that saying. That opening sequence seemed to take a lot of glee in in that shower. <laughs> I too. It's like I almost got slapped because as we were watching it together, I'm like, oh, we're going to get some, you know, 1960s British boobies here. And (laughs) and I remembered I was sitting next to my girlfriend and fled for my life. Um, (laughs) We'll have some champagne. I think we have some champagne. I'm not absolutely certain. There's got to be some flowing in that nightclub. I don't know if I saw saw Steed himself drink any. and. Um, but it did, didn't uh, El Presidente crack some with Venus too? I think so. I think at so. One point. It was like what the second or third, the second or third meeting between the two mm-hmm. of them. And uh, fights. Obviously, we had some some pretty fine wrestling. wrestling and some pretty funny wrestling, and and some other wrestling. And no wrestling between Venus and Steed, but we suspect there has been some. <laughs> and. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, did we both go thumbs up on that? Has tapped that, I think? Uh, I, his... think I think he probably Yeah, tapped. yeah. All right, so we want to make that official. Strangeness, um, just, well, I, mainly I'm like, I, I associate the mask, the wrestling mask with luchadors, but I, I rem- now I do remember from my days that the Japanese wrestlers employed masks quite a bit too, so. Yeah. So that was definitely some strangeness. Just having, you know wrestling show up in a British Five show in general is kind of strange. Right. And oh boy, did we have scenes in a nightclub. Yeah, yeah, indeed. Um, you know, eccentrics, uh, I guess that kind of goes with the wrestling thing, too. Well, yeah, but I think Borb counts kind of as an eccentric. Yeah, uh, it's that very, very loud character. Um, <laughs> medical subplots, I guess we didn't really uh, no. have much, no. And uh, songs, we had two of them. I hope. I mean, our, our future Venus. Do they usually have two songs per Venus episode? Cause... Uh, sometimes they have only one. Okay. But I think I think with the exception of the Man in the Mirror, which is way way down the line mm-hmm. on this season, I think that she sings in every episode that she's in. Right. See, I, I mean, 
One is good. One I liked, but she has a lovely voice. But the second song kind of brought things to a screeching halt in an already kind of disjointed episode. So, yeah, I, I would retroactively recommend to the the writers they only do one song per episode. <laughs> if I could turn back time, uh, <laughs> well, I, would, I would not enough, be sure. Uh, <laughs> by the way, Julie Stevens, oddly enough, was a brunette. Really? Okay. That is a wig. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Now, the other thing, though, actually, I I thought she looked very... I had a little trouble telling my old eyes, had a little trouble uh, telling her and the wife of the one wrestler apart occasionally. Yeah. I mean, just they really looked the, a lot the, alike. The, the, they dressed the them a lot alike. The broad accent. Yeah. Yeah. That's when you when they talked, you could tell, but they, yeah. they looked very similar. Just, yeah. You know, even dressed similar in it threw me off a couple times. I have to say, this is a much better wig than the wig they put on Linda Thorson for two episodes uh-huh. of the last season. But we'll get to that when we get to that. Uh, so, what, what do you think overall of the Decapod? I just, it's never going to be my favorite one. you know. But, yeah. but it was fun enough. It was just weird enough. Um, it was just... It, there were parts of it, as you said, with the 21st century sensibility about how men and women are supposed to, re- you know, act around each other. Um, it was unsettling at times, you know, just because I, you know, do try to stay in that mindset now, you know, with Mr. Pazzi, um, El Presidente. And, yeah. and, you know, as I said, essentially, <laughs> I hope there's not a lot of, of Steed pimping out his his female companions, but that was pretty much what this one came down to, you know, offer up what you got to do to get on the inside. I got to admit, this is the first time, and I guess I've seen all of these episodes from here on since uh, Mr. Shaber. I've seen them at least once mm-hmm. before this watch. This is the first time that his attitude really jumped out at me. Yeah. Well, I mean, I know that, I mean, even from my earliest memories, I know that there's a certain level of sexism in this just because of the time and, you know, and the, the close proximity of beautiful females and stuff like that is going to, you know, sex soul in the 60s still does. So there's going to well, be, be there's oh, going to be ahead, stuff of that. There's going to be some of that, but um, you will be pleased to know. We get Kathy Gale back next episode. Yeah, cool, excellent. Looking forward to it. I, I know, know you, you really like the Kathy Gale. Yeah, no, I liked Venus too. I just I, she, they didn't develop her as quickly or as well yeah. as they did Kathy in her first episode. So I'm just I'm looking for more. And you know, if it's all going to be, it's going to bore me if it's all like, well, go see if we can get a music contract with this evil guy <laughs> so I can get on the inside. That's going to bore me. Kathy Gale has more character potential. I yeah. think as far well, as she's more, she's got more angles that she could play. Right. And she seems right. to be much more of a sensible, um, companion for Steed. Yeah. yeah. That yeah. this singing lady does. Yeah. I said it, it limits his, his usage of her, you know, or utilization of her abilities, I guess. Uh, right. So, <laughs> so the next episode is called bullseye. Hey. And it is a Kathy Gale episode, and then oh, we gotta be introduced to the sucking black hole of lack of charisma that is Doctor King. Okay. Yeah. 
not fond of his episodes. No. Well, you know, anything from Kathy Gale is going to be a step down. So. Yeah, but, I mean, this is... These are the scripts. Mission to Montreal is the first of the three scripts that they could not retrofit as a Kathy Gale episode. Mm-hmm. And, oh, they're just death. <laughs> oh, they're death. Oh. But, um. I've been finding something to enjoy in everyone I've seen so far. Okay. This, this was at the low end of my scale so far out of five. So, uh, yeah. So, I, I mean, I love some of the Steed stuff in this, you know, even despite the creepy factor, but he was just, yeah. you can just tell Patrick Minnie loves the hell out of this part. Um. <laughs> well, of course. I mean, it's his, it, yeah. it's not surprising that the producers halfway through at season one said, this is where our butter is bred. This, yeah. is, the, this is the guy with the charisma. Here. Oh, yeah. And we got full bowler and, and umbrella in this too. Yeah, and I, I meant to mention though, but he changes his hat halfway through the through the episode for some in, inexplicable reason. He strolls right in, like first scene when bowler and umbrella. We're like, yes, there we go. And then all of a sudden, he's got the other hat on. I'm like, what happened, man? You know, <laughs> I don't know. So, he's got different hats for different moods, I guess. So, so what's going on with the? network on your side i do have an avengers endgame podcast still coming out for weekly heroics eventually so last chance to see it kids if you're the one person on an isolated island in the south pacific that hasn't gotten to the theater yet um and who knew that howard the duck would have the power to wield the infinity Guard? i know and and when dr doom showed up at the end credits yeah yeah, can't wait. No, I'm kidding. Uh, we wish. <laughs> See, that's what I was doing in in the couple of days leading up to to Endgame's release was coming up with false rumors, right? Yeah, just to see if anybody was paying attention. Yeah. So. No, I, I always make you know when someone's like nobody nobody spoil anything. I always just have to come yeah. up with oh. the most absurd thing possible and say. I can't believe they crossed over with Star Wars and Darth Vader stole the Infinity yeah. Glove. You know, they <laughs> technically could do now if they wanted to. Yes. Um, but <laughs> oh, they could. At this point now, with the with the 20th Century Fox merger done, anything's possible. And, and you could have and probable if they think it'll make money. Star Wars would. versus Aliens. Why not? Yep. Uh, they've already probably Actually, done comics. Help. I think I would watch that. Sure. I mean, they've already done like uh, they've done aliens versus everybody in comic yeah. form at this point. So probably I don't think they've hit Star Wars yet, but they've they've done Batman, they've, Superman, and they've ever done a Predator versus you know like a Marvel Universe versus Predator. Yeah, I guess those those they, you know copyrights done, never crossed over. Of, uh, yeah. Um, with DC, because Dark Horse and because Bob Shrek used to be. Before he became editor in chief of Dark Horse, was once an editor in DC. So I guess that's why we got Green Lantern and Alien, and uh, yeah. Superman and Predator, and Batman and Predator, and all this stuff. And of course, my favorite Starman, <laughs> Starman, Ghost, and Hellboy. Um, okay, all right. Which is actually pretty good because it's it's got like Mike Mignola drawing all those characters, and yeah. that's kind of neat. Yeah. Um, 
But um, well, Disney will own everything eventually, yeah. so anything is literally possible. They they hold the inf- they've got like five of the six Infinity Stones already, guys. I, I, so, like, <laughs> but I I was made me sad when the 20th Century Fox merger became official, though, because now. People think it's going to mean more movies. It's going to mean less movies. Yeah, yeah. we could do because a whole podcast on that. But Monopoly is never really a good thing, ultimately. If you want to yeah. feel really sad, uh, Google Disney's upcoming movie slate for two, three, between now and 2026. Yeah, well, Avatar is like three of them, and that depresses the hell out of me anyway. Well, I just don't Avatar understand. Waiting to, for more Avatar <laughs> is Jane Cameron. Cameron. I know one of the people cashing his paychecks who haven't had to do anything yet. Apparently, you know, yeah. they just had like the whole cast and a retainer for like ten years now. You know, it's like basically three pages of untitled Marvel movie, untitled <laughs> yeah, yeah. Avatar sequel, untitled Star Wars sequel, untitled. You know. What is it? D23 is supposed to be happening here soon as of the recording of this, so we should be finding stuff out fairly quickly. I I think I I actually went through the entire list, and I only found one original property on on the entire Disney list. It It was just thoroughly saddening to me. I've always said if I make a lot, a lot of money, I would found my own movie studio and only... Uh, finance original ideas. Yeah, and nobody would go see them. But <laughs> I would. I well, I'd probably sit home and figure out some way to stream them on my computer. But I would watch <laughs> them. <laughs> so okay, so you got uh, garage sale gloat is now back in season. Yeah, we should have. We've had two episodes out this season so far, uh, and, and yeah, we've got more coming. And that's about it. I'm trying to think of... I have a project in mind I want to do, and I just can't get to it yet. And I'm, I'm thinking of actually, like, ending some of my other projects in lieu of this new one. But we've got new stuff on, on Weekly Heroics coming up, so we're going to be covering, like, the the lovely Garth Ennis shows, like The Boys and, and Preacher. So I'm looking forward to those. Um, what else? Um... And of course, in addition to with Umbrella Charm and Bowler, uh, you can tune in. And I promise soon we will get the first episode of Thomas E.J.'s Watching. <laughs> I, I promise. It's just, I've been going through some stuff and I had a, you know, but I promise it'll get up. But there is also the Honeywell Experiment. Yeah. And by the time you hear this, we'll be in the middle of the summer of slime where we are joined by Buffalo filmmaking maven Greg Lamberson as we talk about his years working in Times Square in a movie theater. Excellent. There's got to be some stories there, boy. And how he ended up uh, making his first film, Slime City. So uh, that's going to be that's July and August's episodes. It's going to be lots of fun, and we got uh, we, we got like Fantasy Mission Force coming up. You know, uh, an early Jackie Chan film. We've got Thriller or Cruel Picture, which is a very aptly named movie. A lot of like really cool films that that we're talk- that we're going to be talking about, and I think we're already discussing what may be our annual Christmas gift 
to um, to the fans, which is of course the the, the horror vault. Yeah, Honeywell experiment crossover. All right, awesome. So um, uh, now, when also, does this director work uh, in in Times Square? Because depending during on the eighties. Eighties, okay. So I was going to say that I could see where the inspiration for a movie called Slime City would come from if you worked in a movie theater in Times Square in the eighties. That's all I'm saying about that. But <laughs> yeah, <laughs> all right, I'll edit that out. <laughs> oh no, it's okay. It's okay. okay. <laughs> um. Also, of course, we. I invite you to check in on things such as Jagai and Jetty, if you like Star Wars stuff. Um, or even J-Guys and Jedi. Oh, whatever, yeah. <laughs> whatever, like whatever. That. Sorry, I... Um, the, the, the horror monster startling vault of something, something, something. <laughs> which is a very good show. It's just I can never remember the exact the exact title. They designed it that way to keep people uneasy and tense because it's a horror thing. I think I'm under caffeinated. Have I mentioned that audience? Okay. Uh, um, <laughs> uh, of course, Luke uh, Giaconetti's uh, Earth Destructor Directive, which of course is uh, he, he told me he's going to be covering uh, um, Godzilla Final Wars soon. And Ooh, I feel nice. for him because Godzilla Final Wars was not very good. I'm pretty sure he's uh, already got out something about. Um, King of Monsters too, which I need to listen yes, to. Yes, yes, it does. Yeah, cool. Um, and his brother Jason d- still does Bugs, Bots, and Babes with his with their father, which is also recommended. I think. What did they do? There was some, they did Overlord last, that as of this recording, I think, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Yep. So there is. Yeah, I'd like to plug a couple of my uh, my co-hosts from. Yeah. the walking dead cast uh they do mike zumo does and just uh the man of screen podcast just everything right. you would ever want to know you know superman wise he's covered everything from all the movies to comics to super friends to shazam movie you know he's just it's a just dc banquet of goodness over there and uh mr brian hughes does something with tim elliott called third degree burn about john Byrne and uh-huh. john burner play uh, you know related properties so they just they've been doing the uh you know, covering the dark uh phoenix saga and right. the run up to the movie so. that uh nobody has seen because they're like why bother because they're gonna reboot it in I saw it and don't bother <laughs> yeah, that's what I, I was I was thinking about going to see it this weekend but then I said you know what I'll wait to hear what um, my friends at critically acclaimed podcast thought of it because they, they their taste and mine used are tend to be fairly close hey Whitney hey William uh, um, and they they basically said eh, and I'm like, well, yeah, I'm not spending. Yeah, you know, it's not horrible. For- it's, it's not horrible, but it's it's pretty bad. And you know, matinee is that's all I'm saying. Matinee or wait for that red box thing is all I'm saying. Mm-hmm. So um, that's all yeah, I got. <laughs> that's okay. Uh, um, also, um, I want to since Chris said I could do it. Um, if you are interested in supporting 
this podcast and other podcasts that I, uh, you know, co-host and in some cases program, um, I please invite you if you have a dollar or more a month to go to patreon.com slash DJ's Domicile of Dread and sign up and become a Patreon because you'll be getting some really cool stuff. Uh, I do reviews of movies, of new movies I see in the theaters only there. And either the very end of this month, as of this recording, or the beginning of next month, we'll see the first episode of the podcast exclusive Cinematic Mirage, the theater of movies that don't exist. Oh, hmm. Where I will be discussing the Tales from the Crypt movie sequel you were supposed to get. <laughs> Instead of Bordello of Blood. Uh, more Ray Dong by... Chong, I hope, in that one. Wasn't she in the worst? No, no. I'm thinking of Tales from the Dark Side, aren't I? Yep. You have to give Tales from the Dark Side. Yes, Tales from the Dark Side had, had Ray Dong Chong has the, the demon that yep. fell in love with James Russo. Yeah. Um, but uh, basically, this film might actually exist. Really? But it's never seen light of day hmm. and uh, we'll be examining why and try to speculate on what the film was about uh so that's i've actually had fun researching this so it's gonna be kind of cool nice. but uh so yeah so we'll have next month we'll have some more kathy gale which is good and we are still doing a contest uh, for, oh, yes. you know, like our little tagline at the end, instead of us just going, bye, don't forget to write. Although if you want to send that one in, we'll put it in for consideration. <laughs> so we just, we want a little tag that we can do every month that we do this, and you can send that to um, chiefscottproductions at com, or just say hello or give us some feedback or anything like that. And um, yeah. And the, the prize will be you'll be able to come on to the show if you'd like and, and record some stuff with us. And I will be making a Facebook page soon, which will probably be up by the time you hear this, so never mind. Okay, so... <laughs> Until next time, guys, be sure to always wear clean tights when you And always carry your umbrella. <laughs> All right, have a good evening. Visit our website at twotruefreaks.com. Two True Freaks is always spelled T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S. Two True Freaks and all of its excellent affiliates are available on iTunes, and you can choose to subscribe to either the entire network if you wish, or pick whichever individual shows you want to follow. We have so many shows to choose from, there's just bound to be one that appeals to your particular fandom. You can find Two True Freaks on Facebook. Just search for Two True Freaks. If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about Two True Freaks? If you've enjoyed our show, please, won't you take a moment to rate us on iTunes? That helps others find the show, too. Thanks for listening, and join us every Monday for new episodes of Two Two True True Freaks. Freaks.